You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Acts chapter 17, and we begin in verse 30. The Bible says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. We're going to pray to begin with, and then I will begin the message. The title of my message this morning is Because He Lives. Because He Lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity that we have. Watch over the weather. Keep distractions down. Help everybody to be able to hear me. And we ask that your power and your Holy Spirit would move throughout this place. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Now, before I begin my message, I want to take a little bit of time to explain what is happening in this passage. The main character is a man named Paul. Now, you may also know him as Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a wicked man. He was a blasphemer. It wasn't good enough for him to blaspheme. He then went further and compelled others to blaspheme. He would find Christians and grab them and and drag them to prison. He would torture them. He would put them in bonds and chains until they recanted their belief in Jesus Christ. And in many situations, if they did not change their belief, he would even watch them be put to death. But Saul of Tarsus met the Lord. Everything changed when Saul of Tarsus met Jesus. And let me say this, he didn't just meet Jesus. He trusted in Jesus as his personal savior. And let that be a lesson to all of us this morning. It does not matter what you have done. It does not matter if you have a past. God has a future for those who have a past. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he can and he will use you, I promise you that. Hand your broken past to Jesus and he will hand you back a blessed future. Give your broken heart to Jesus and he will mend it again. In this 17th chapter of Acts, our main character is Paul and he is seen walking through the city of Athens, Greece. As he tours this city, the Bible says earlier in the chapter that he found everyone there worshiping some type of idol. Now we may ask ourselves to begin with, why would, why would the people of Athens do this? But I think deep down we understand why these Athenians were doing this. Every human being has the knowledge of God built into our minds. The, the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Nobody is born not believing in God. Along with that desire, or I'm sorry, along with that common knowledge of God comes a desire to please that God. The people of Athens had a deep desire to worship God. The problem was 
They didn't know how. Their solution to this problem was worship anything that we can. Worship anyone that we can. Historians have written that there were more idols in Athens than all of Greece put together. The Athenians believed the more idols they worshipped, the more chances they had to please God. Acts 17.23 even tells us they made an altar to worship the unknown God. In other words, they were saying, even after all of these other idols that we have chosen to serve and made for ourselves, let's make a place to worship an unknown God, just in case we miss something. Now this leads us to our verses that we read at the beginning of the message. At this time, Paul has been given the opportunity to speak before the men of Athens. They allowed him to speak before them because they believed he was going to tell them about another God that they could worship along with all of the others. But let me tell you this morning, they were wrong. Paul was not going to tell them about another God to add to their shelf. Paul was going to show them their need to clear the shelf off completely and replace it all with only one. Paul starts his message with something that sounds a little bit strange to us in verse 30, but it's something that all of us have dealt with before. He says, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. Really all that's saying is that God has been patient with the men of Athens. Let me ask you something, and you can respond if you'd like. Have you ever lost your patience before? Let me rephrase it. Have you ever had to call customer support for anything before? There you go, yeah. Have you ever ordered at a restaurant other than Chick-fil-A? Yes, absolutely. How about this? Do you have kids? That's more like it. So let's use that illustration then. So with any child, we're going to be patient. There are certain things that they get away with because they don't know any better. But there needs to come a time where they know better. Now, I don't know exactly when that cutoff is, but there is a cutoff where suddenly you are too old to get away with things that you used to get away with when you were a kid. Jack, stop climbing under the tables at the restaurant. You're 42, it's, it's too late to do that. So there is definitely a cutoff, we understand. So all Paul is saying is listen, up until this point, God has been patient. But now, look at those two words right in the center of verse 30. But now, there's a change, there's a shift that's coming in. But now, Paul is telling them, things are different. Something had changed to where God is no longer going to overlook this oblivious kind of worship. Now, the Bible says, there was no reason to be ignorant. Now, there was no excuse to be uninformed. Now, God says, I command all men everywhere to repent. That word repent means to change one's mind. So what was the Athenians' current mindset? Their current mindset was to worship anyone. But now, God says, change your mind. Stop worshiping anyone and start worshiping only one. God has made his choice clear. 
And listen, I'm just here to tell you this morning exactly what Paul told these people so long ago. There is only one who is worthy of our praise. God has made his choice clear. In verse 31, the Bible says that God has ordained one. He has chosen one. He has anointed one. And that one is not the president. It's not me. It's not any man other than the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now you may ask, how can we know that Jesus is the one? How can we know that God chose him? Well, the answer is at the end of verse 31. And it's the reason that we are all here today. Here's how you can know. Here is your assurance. He, God, hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Let me put it this way. We can know, we can know without any doubt that Jesus is the one true God because he lives. We don't have to worship an unknown God this morning. Because he lives, we can serve a risen Savior. Others may doubt that he lives. Others may say that it's impossible. Others may call me a fool for believing that he lives. But I'd rather be called a fool in the eyes of man than a fool in the eyes of God. I have no doubts. I have no questions. I have no worries or fears. I know that Jesus is alive. I know that he's alive. I know that he's alive because his tomb is empty. You can go by the tomb of other religious leaders and you will find their bones there. Go by the tomb of Muhammad. Go by the tomb of Buddha. Go by the tomb of Confucius and you will find them still laying there. But go by that garden tomb and you will find that he is not there, for he is risen. And remember this morning, while some people are upset that restaurants and streets, now not our street right here, this is wonderful, but some restaurants and businesses are empty, they may be upset about that, you remember we can still rejoice. Because those things may be empty, but so is the tomb. I know that he's alive because his tomb is empty. I know he's alive because he was seen of many witnesses. I know he's alive because you can't lock someone up in the grave when he has the keys to get out whenever he wants. I know he's alive because he answers my prayers. I know he's alive because he is the God of the living, not of the dead. I know that he is alive because he's the giver of life itself. And if none of those things are good enough, I know that he is alive because Jesus himself promised, when I lay down my life, I will take it up again. He said, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay down my life and I take it up again. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. There are a lot of things in this life that we just can't know, but we can know this. Jesus is alive. And the fact that he lives is proof of his power. The fact that he lives is proof of his love for you. The fact that he lives is proof that he alone is worthy of our praise. And the fact that he is alive is proof that Jesus is exactly who he says he is and so much more. Now, let's shift our thinking here. Whenever you read your Bible, whenever you hear a message preached, you should always ask the question, what does this mean for me? 
How does this truth apply to me? Truth doesn't do any good unless we apply it to ourselves. The Bible says that God's word is like a mirror. Ladies and gentlemen, you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and many times we don't like what we see because the mirror tells the truth. And the Bible says when you read the Bible and it tells you the truth, but then you turn away and you never apply that truth to your life. That's like looking in the mirror and seeing your hair all disheveled, seeing pimples on your face, seeing some drool left over from last night, seeing maybe some leftover makeup or whatever it is, and then walking away and saying, I'm not going to change anything. So I challenge you, ask yourself this morning, because he lives, what does that mean for me? Because he lives, how does that affect me? Because he lives, what am I supposed to do? Now, there are many answers that I could give you to that question, but for sake of time, I'm only going to give you two. And the first answer is this. Because he lives, that means he's coming again. Because he lives, that means he's coming again. Verse 31 says, God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Now, just give a little hint for you. That's Jesus. Listen to me, sir. Listen to me, ma'am, teenager, boys and girls. Jesus is not only alive, he is coming again. The first time he came, he came as a lamb. The next time he comes, he's coming as a lion. The first time he came, he came as a suffering servant. Next time, he's coming as a conquering king. The first time he came, he was crucified. The next time he comes, he will be glorified. The first time he came, man stood against him. The next time he comes, all men will bow before him. The first time he came, he came to save. The next time he comes, he's coming to judge. Every single one of us will have to stand in front of an almighty, holy God and give an account for how we have lived this life. Now you can tell me that you don't believe that. You can tell me that you don't believe in God. You can tell me that you do not believe that you will be judged by him. You can tell me you don't believe there's an eternity. My answer is simply this. One day, you will. When God appoints a day, nothing, nobody, no power in heaven or on earth can stop that day from coming. When Jesus comes again, no amount of running or hiding or reasoning or bargaining will exempt us from our meeting with him. And in that meeting, he will judge us, the Bible says, according to righteousness to rightness, to truth. In an earthly court, we are judged before the, law of, the uh, law of the land. But when we stand before Jesus, we will be judged by the law of the Lord. The lives of the people in Athens did not match the truth. And that's why Paul told them it's time to change. It's time to repent. Change your mind. Change your lives. Change your heart and match the truth. And that is what I am preaching to all of us this morning. Easter should not just be a time to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. We need to go further and ask ourselves, what does Jesus' resurrection mean for us? It means he's coming again. And when he comes again, he will judge all of us against the truth. And here is the truth. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Parents, 
Have you ever caught your children in the cookie jar? And they have chocolate all over their face. And you say, son, daughter, did you get into the cookie jar? And with chocolate all over their face, they say, no. The Bible says we so often do that. When we are confronted with our sin, we want to look back at a holy God and say, we have no sin. The Bible says in 1 John, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The Bible says that we all are sinners and the penalty for that sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Now listen, it's easy to admit that we're sinners, but it's a lot harder to admit that our sins are a lot worse than we think they are. Because when we admit that, we can imagine the gap between us and God becoming larger and larger. But we must understand that our sin has separated us from God. And we must understand that there is nothing we can do personally to bridge that gap. No matter how hard we try, the chains of our sin will keep us from God like fetters will keep a prisoner from escaping his cell. I promise you, I know how it feels to see how bad your sin is. I know how it feels to realize that all of your good works are not enough to outweigh your sins. You feel hopeless. You feel like your soul is in the darkest place imaginable. You feel utterly lost. And even though this may sound strange, that's actually a good thing. I've heard people say, God could not save somebody like me. I'm too much of a sinner. Listen to me. Being a sinner is what makes you eligible for a savior. You cannot be found until you are lost. It is only when we lose hope in ourselves that we can begin to seek hope in someone much greater than ourselves. And let me remind you of this. Jesus saw how hopeless we would be. Jesus saw how dark our sins would be. He saw how lost we would be, but he loved us enough to die for us anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And just as you see that gap growing more and more between you and a holy God, Jesus comes to those who repent and confess their sins. To those who say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and only you can save me from my sin. I'm done trusting in myself. I'm done trusting in my religion. I'm done trusting in my good works. I am going to trust in the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you trust in Jesus, you will find there is no gap too wide where Jesus could not reach down to you and grab your hand and reach up and grab God the Father and reconcile one to the other. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be. Not if you catch God on a good day. You will be saved. If you're here this morning and you know that you're currently lost, your soul is in darkness, I can think of no better day than today to ask Jesus to be your savior. Now I told you I would present you with two answers. That was answer one, and answer number two is much shorter. Because he lives, how does that apply to us? Number one, he's coming again. 
Because he lives, he's coming again. And here's answer number two. Because he lives and because he's coming again, you and I have a choice to make. If I could make the choice for you, I would. If I could ask Jesus to save you for you, I would. But this decision is yours and nobody else's. And that's what Paul told these people so long ago. And look what happened in verse 32. Some of them mocked. Others said, we'll hear thee again of this matter. But some, but certain of them in verse 34, clave unto him. They stuck to him. They believed the truth. When they were told to trust in Jesus alone, some of them said never. And they mocked and laughed at what Jesus did for them. Some of them said later, not today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it when I get better. Listen, listen, listen. I've heard a lot of people say, I will come to Jesus when I clean up my life. Do you go to the gym to get in shape or do you get in shape before you go to the gym? Do you go to the doctor to get better or do you get better and then go to the doctor? Jesus will take you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. Don't tell me you're too much of a sinner. Don't tell me that he won't accept you. He says, anyone that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Don't let the devil sit on your shoulder this morning and tell you that God will not accept you. That's why we're here today. Because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and rose up again to prove, to give us the assurance that we can put our faith and trust in him. Don't say never. Don't say later. Saying later and saying never puts you in the same boat. Say now. Say today. Say today, Lord, no longer am I running from you. I am trusting in you and in you alone. My question is, don't worry about what these men did. Don't worry about what other people do. I'm asking you, what is your choice this morning? When I tell you that you need to change, if your life doesn't match the truth, and to put your faith and trust in Jesus, what will you say? Truth never changes. We can never change the truth to match our hearts. We must change our hearts to match the truth. If you're here this morning and you see that your life does not match the truth of God's word, trust in Jesus before it is too late. Is he not worthy of your trust? We're talking about a savior who was holy enough to live a sinless life, loving enough to die on the cross for you, powerful enough to rise again from the dead, and righteous enough to come again. And if he can do all of that, don't you believe that he can save you from your sin if you ask him? All you have to do is say, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But I am asking you to forgive me of my sin and to take me to heaven when I die. And when I stand before you someday, if you were to ask me, why should I let you in? I would have to look back at you and say, I don't deserve it. But Father, you promised, Jesus, you promised in your word, if I put my faith and trust in you, that you would take me to heaven. And he will look back at you and say, welcome into the joy of the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, if you do not know for sure that you are going to heaven, 
that you would put your faith and trust in him. Miss Daniela, are you here? Will you come up and play for us? Many of you, in fact, all of you were handed some type of brochure or information with a pen this morning. Many of you received kind of a dark green, go ahead, anytime, uh, a dark green or blue trifold pamphlet that said, welcome to our church. In there, there is a visitor packet. It's a part that you can fill out your information and then tear out that portion. I would love to get that portion back from you at the end when you are dismissed and you pick up your gift. If you would hand that to one of the ladies, one of the lady volunteers, but do me this favor. Would you do me this favor? If you knew before you came here this morning, if you knew that Jesus was your savior, I want you to write on that piece of paper, nice and bold, redeemed, R-E-D-E-E-M-E-D. Would you do that? Write redeemed on that if you have known already that Jesus was your Savior. But if you trusted in him this morning at this service, if today you say, Lord, I'm trusting in you and you alone, I want you to write redeemed today. Would you do that for me? Write redeemed today. And I want you to hand that in so that we can rejoice with you. And Christian, you're here this morning because Jesus is alive. Don't just celebrate that today. I want you to take this with you throughout the rest of your year, throughout the rest of your life. Remember, because of all that he's done, and especially because he lives, he is worthy to be praised. He alone is worthy of that praise, and he is worthy to be served because he lives. Let's live for him. How many of you would say at least, Pastor Johnny, because he lives, I want to live for him. How many of you, that's your decision this morning. Would you give me a honk? Because he lives, I want to live for him. You need to turn from your ways, turn from your desires, turn from your will, and follow him. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.